You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Friday and welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and I am excited, elated, and ecstatic to bring you the first Know Your Foe of the 2021 college football season. We've been prepping y'all for this season for the past two weeks. Last week, we looked at depth charts. We previewed the Notre Dame game from our own perspective. We previewed leg two of the season, and then This week, we started talking about goals. We started talking about what did we want to see from the offense? What did we want to see from the defense on Tuesday? Wednesday, we said, what do we want to see from the different position groups during the Notre Dame game? Yesterday, we said, what do we want to see during leg two of the season? That's that stretch of five games going from Jacksonville State to UNC, which will put us at the halfway point of the season. And today, as promised, we are going to be joined by none other than the Billy G. That's right. Bill Go of the One Foot Down blog, which is Notre Dame's SB Nation outlet, will be on the show in just a second to talk all things Notre Dame. He is the one Notre Dame fan. Now, there's probably three or four, but one of the few Notre Dame fans I would consider a close friend. So once we get to talking, we get to talking. We had to split it up into two parts. So you're going to get part one today. We're going to talk about the reload and the rebuild that's happened at Notre Dame, who's left their roster from last year, who's replacing them, that kind of thing. Then tomorrow, we're going to give y'all a very special Saturday drop where we put it all together and say, okay, what's it going to look like when it's on the field? I'm going to stop talking. And without further ado, boys, take it away. People who know me will scoff at this. I'm really, really bad at being confrontational in this role. There are times everyone's got their moments, but Phil and I are friends, and we look at this more as a structured takeover. I mean, Phil, you you kind of know the drill, but I'm going to let you tell us about your team, and again, far more than we could learn ourselves. Let's talk about your background a bit. You played football at Holy Cross. Yep. So right? played foot. Yeah, played football at Holy Cross in Massachusetts. Shout out to Crusaders, um, two-time back-to-back Patriot League champions. For everyone wondering. Um, and I, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, dad went to Notre Dame, brother went to Notre Dame, whole family went to Notre Dame. So kind of that classic Midwestern Catholic story that is unique to just about nobody and grew up just watching Notre Dame and being a diehard fan. I got my grad degree from there in education, which I don't use anymore, but had a great time there and, uh, you know, got indoctrinated a little bit there, um, because of that, but started writing for Notre Dame in 2016 with my own blog and then started at one foot down in 2017 and have been there ever since. So, you know, I'd say 75% of my brain is consumed with things related to Notre Dame football, which all things considered isn't too bad. No, that's not too bad. I think most of us sit around that, you know, we should probably think about other things that matter to real people, but Hey, I like to, uh, I like the escapism because the world itself can, can be a bit depressing. So, Phil, let's talk about where Notre Dame is going to be headed into this game. Coming off, well, what, two playoff appearances in four years? Where is your fan base's head at going into this season? Yeah, it's really interesting, honestly, because uh, I feel like normally the last couple of years, you know, 2018 was kind of a surprise with Ian Book leading them to the playoff. 
2019 and 2020, then the, the expectations were through the roof because they had a quarterback who'd taken them to the playoff. They had a relatively experienced team, strong offensive line. And so this year it's, it's kind of different. There's a lot of, there, I feel like there's a lot less expectation. Um, I think because of what is departing. Um, so obviously you're losing Ian book, you're losing four offensive linemen to the NFL draft. You're losing top two defensive ends. You're losing your top production out of wide receiver. And so I'm going into the season, honestly, a little less stressed than normal, um, uh, because the expectation isn't necessarily there with a, you know, a new starting quarterback, a new offensive line, com- pretty much completely new wide receivers, top to bottom. And even some, you know, some, some strong defensive ends, which are, you know, such a marquee position in football. So there's not as much expectation going into the season that, you know, normally come with a team that's fresh off of a playoff. And part of that is because Ian book's been a staple for the past three and a half years. And when you lose at a huge offensive line and, you know, a, the winningest quarterback in Oregon history, just the pressure isn't necessarily going to be there. And I think that's kind of felt by the fan base for last year. It was kind of the perspective of hey, one loss or undefeated needs to be what we need to do. We need to shoot for the playoffs or, I feel like this year's expectation are more probably anywhere from one to two losses and a New York New Year's six bowl win is would consist of a highly successful season for Notre Dame this year. Now, do they have the, the talent to, to go for a run? They do, but there's a lot of things that have to go right for that to happen. So, you know, I think right now the fan base is generally pretty optimistic, but more excited to see what a new look Notre Dame is going to be without Ian Book because, you know, he was very... I don't want to say like divisive because he was very much a right. constant. He consistently won, but you know, despite the being the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, people always want the next best thing. I think he why he was so successful is he didn't take too many chances. He didn't turn the ball over. He was a successful runner. When he commanded the offense and had the respect of his teammates. And so, you know, I, I think when you go and you switch off of somebody like that, there's there's both optimism, uncertainty, but also a little bit of an excitement to see what the offense will look like. Because the offense has been what it is for the past three years, because it's Ian Books at the helm, and so you you know enter Jack Cohen, and it's a you know a very very different style of quarterback, which I think a lot of the fan base is excited about. You know, I find myself getting a, over rotating a little bit um, on on how good he's going to be, and you know it's it's hit or miss, but you know he brings a skill set that Book didn't have, which is first size. You know, he's six he's a six three pocket passer. Passing wise, he's not that different from Ian Book, but where he really differs is that. You know, obviously Ian Book was kind of got happy feet in the pocket and would take off pretty quickly mm-hmm. where Cohen's going to get sacked more times, but he's going to hang in the pocket, you know, that extra half second because he doesn't have that escapability of Ian Book. Now he is going to be called sneaky athletic so many times. this year. It's like, I mean, Ian Book was called sneaky athletic despite being just a very good athlete. And Jack Cohen was, um, was actually committed to Notre Dame to play lacrosse out of high school. He's a really? Long Island guy. So he's a, obviously a clearly a good athlete if he was recruited to play you know, top tier ACC lacrosse. Um, and he also, he put up some decent, you know, rushing performances, you know, back in 2019. So it's pretty exciting because he's a guy who's has big game experience, who's played in a Rose Bowl, who's played in a big 10 championship game and is also a great stopgap because it's not like there was another option coming in right. or readily available that people were excited about. They were excited about potential. And so I think people are looking at that. It's kind of almost a metaphor for the season too, where it's like, Hey, we have this guy who's coming in. He's going to be here for one year. He's probably going to be solid, help a lot of the young guys out, be a distributor of the ball, pretty low floor, but also not like an explosive ceiling. So it's just kind of that's where the fan base is, where it's almost like this is a little bit of a, a holding pattern year. 
Hey folks, sorry to interrupt. I know y'all are enjoying the conversation between myself and Mr. Billy G. I promise I'll let you get back to it in just a moment. I need to tell y'all about Sweatblock. Sweatblock is our newest sponsor, but I've actually been a customer for a while. I didn't know they'd become a sponsor, but grabbed a pack of Sweatblock wipes at CVS when I was, well, I was doing what every dude in Florida that sweats a lot does. I was sweating profusely all the time, you know, where you like try to put on any color other than navy blue or you try to wear anything that's not dry fit material and you just are sweating through it before you get even get out of the house that was me so i grabbed some sweat block figured hey it's it's worth a try wiped it on and it worked i mean it's awesome i would have told y'all about it even if they weren't sponsoring the show now go to sweatblock.com you can use promo code locked on to get a 20 percent discount you can get them on amazon you can even get them right in your local cvs so sweatblock is like a I don't even know exactly how it works. I probably should know that, but y'all know I'm not a details guy when it comes to these things. All I know is get out of the shower, you hit yourself with a sweat block wipe, you sweat a lot less. They've also got a money back guarantee. So if it doesn't work for you, which it will, it will work for you. I promise. If it doesn't work for you though, you can send it back, get your money back and you've literally lost nothing. You're in the same boat as where you started. So sweatblock.com, promo code locked on. And how do you expect Jack Cohn to come in and, and pick up the offense? I know with Florida State, we've had a, a mixed record with transfers, primarily Everett Golson coming in and us realizing that Jimbo's offense is extremely complicated and far too difficult to learn during a summer. Then we had Alex Hornibrook, another Wisconsin transfer who didn't struggle as much with picking up the offense as he did with throwing the ball more than 10 yards downfield. Literally the weakest arm I've ever seen on a division one quarterback. I'm amazed he could pick up the TV remote. How do you see Jack Cohen? I assume he can throw the football, picking up the offensive scheme, being able to slide right in and being able to be that day one starter. Honestly, I don't have any doubts about it. So he came in in the spring. Um, so he came in in the spring, had a full spring under him, had a full you know, we'll have a full summer, full fall camp. Um, and I think all the things that I've read about him and some interviews recently with Tommy Reese were talking about just how much of a student of the game he is. Just his football IQ is is a step ahead of Ian Book. So Ian Book mm-hmm. was a, obviously a really sharp quarterback, but uh, Tommy Reese recently said in an interview that it took him, he would go over it in the classroom and then he'd need to go over it on the field, which again, is pretty normal. And what he differs for Jack Cohen is, hey, Jack Cohen, gets up on the whiteboard, he internalizes it, and then he goes and does it on the field. Not like I need to run through it on the field again. And also, I don't I don't think Tommy Reese is the type of guy who's so set in his ways because he's still a young coordinator where he's going to base the offense around what the skills of guys going to be. He's not someone who's, this is my system that has been successful for 15, 20 years, and that's what you need to run. It also helps that despite having a young offensive line, it's going to be a, a pretty solid offensive line. And I think the things that will make this team pretty good is a dynamic duo at running back as well as um you know arguably the best tight end in the country and so when you have a solid offensive line two dynamic running backs and a safety net of a tight end you know at the very least he's got to feel comfortable coming from wisconsin because that's what you know that's what he's used to having absolutely elite offensive line great running back and some you know big slow wide receivers and tight ends yes that is the that is the midwest football for you you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at his stats, and obviously we're kind of in the we've talked about the departures, we're talking about the additions. We'll we'll go to the offensive line in a second. 
But I look at his stats and he's got 18 starts at Wisconsin. He's 68% completions, 23 touchdowns, only eight interceptions. So it seems like he's got kind of that Ian Book take care of the ball mentality. A three to one ratio is a phenomenal ratio. I, I found a, a high interception to low inter, a high touchdown to the low interception ratio can be either they're really, really good, or it can sometimes be a negative that they're afraid to take chances. Or it can, you know, just be that they're a good protector of the football, like an Ian book in the middle. Any idea where Jack Cohen falls on that scale? So when Jack Cohen signed, I wasn't that like excited about it. I was like, oh, he'll be solid. And then I went back and actually watched this tape and was very pleasantly surprised. So as you said, his numbers won't jump off the page at you, but they're consistent and, you know, almost 70% and a great touchdown to interception ratio. And so when you actually go look at the film, I, I think the thing that hindered him a little bit is just being in Wisconsin's offense. I mean, he, his, year and a half or his full season starting and the half year he started the season before he had Jonathan Taylor and one of the best offensive lines in the country. I mean, should I'd hand the ball off most of the times too, but also you don't necessarily need to take those chances because you know, if you get down to second and seven, second and six, you can hand the ball off twice and get there. He also didn't have the, I would say the kind of more of the top end uh, elite talent around him at the skill positions outside of running back. So, you know, he was thrown to, he had a, Quintez Cephas, I want to say his name was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's on the Lions now. And he was his go-to guy. And if you go watch his film, he's just throwing some strikes to that guy. And so he clearly had one good wide receiver that he could connect with and just had a great connection with that guy. So, you know, I think we're going to see his numbers definitely tick up a bit because the offensive line is going to be not quite as good. And he's not going to have, you know, statistically the best running back in college football history that he's handing the ball off to. Right. But he has... You know, he has some higher upside skill position guys and also an offense that's not Wisconsin. So offense, you know, I think Notre Dame kind of ran a Wisconsin style offense last year because that's who they were. And I think this year we're going to see a little bit, a little bit more freedom from Cohen. So I, I expect that maybe his completion percentage might dip a little bit. We're going to see a pretty large uptick in his uh, yards and potentially even his interceptions. And, and I think that's OK, because he's going to feel more comfortable taking more chances, knowing the types of athletes that he can be throwing the ball to. So before we get to actually on the field, let's talk about the offensive line because we've lamented on this program several times. I'm sure on yours, you've celebrated it numerous times. The offensive line y'all had last year was nothing short of generationally talented. I believe three or four of them were drafted and the ones that weren't are currently on NFL rosters. Who's replacing these guys? What's that going to look like? Fortunately, it's kind of uh, just reload with Notre Dame. But nice. We actually did dip into the grad transfer market and picked up a casual All-American. Came yeah, no, we know. Nick's- yeah, we're aware. Oh, yeah. You yep. guys, I know you guys wanted him. Hey, we um, did. We we gave it the old college try. You did. You did. And um so we get him and his nickname's the dump truck. So that's, that's all I need to know. So he's just, he's going to be, he's going to be slotting in at guard. We'll have a um, all American center, which is nice. Um, and then a handful of guys who've started some games throughout the course of their career, uh, who I think should be pretty solid, but kind of one of the probably most unique things is we're going to have a true freshman starting at left tackle. Who's a six, six, 330 pound boy from Indiana, who is a hog, who was clocked running on a treadmill at 21 miles an hour this year. So what do you think he looked like walking through the halls of a high school? I'm just trying to picture that for a second. It must have been um, nothing short of comical. Folks, it's your host again. Sorry to interrupt, but y'all know I got to help you out. We're getting ready for week one. Everyone's excited. Y'all know who the usual cast of characters are. I'm sure you're all pumped. I'm sure you're thinking about where are you going to tailgate? Where are you going to watch the games? What games are you going to be excited about on Thursday, Friday, Saturday? 
We know what game you'll be excited about on Sunday. And a way to get yourself more pumped up for that Friday, Saturday, even the Thursday games is to, you know, throw a little action on it because, hey, what we do. We love sports and, um, you know, I'm sort of retired from gaming, but you don't have to be if you don't want to be. I do like to pick lines, though, so I am going to do a solo dolo bet on line.ag line of the day. I'm scrolling through these lines. You know, we've looked at most of week one, and I think I found a juicy one. This will make most of you roll your eyes, but uh, look, don't put principles over profit when it comes to this situation, folks. The University of Florida line is ridiculous. University of Florida is a 24 and a half point favorite over FAU led by Willie Taggart in the swamp. I mean, come on. Willie Taggart didn't cover that spread when he was coaching Florida State against the Gators. You really think that he's going to be able to cover that spread? When he's, co- when he's coaching the Florida Atlantic Owls? No, no shot. Give me a break. The betonline.ag line of the day is take Florida minus 24 and a half. Buy it down to 24 if you really want to have push insurance, but I think it's a waste of money. It's a 7.30 p.m. game and, you know, make your money now. Thank me later. And to do it, sign up at betonline.ag. Use promo code locked on. Get that 50% welcome bonus I always tell you all about. And if all the nerves from, you know, having that kind of action out there gets you hungry, well, look no further than Built Bar. If you listen to me, you've already got a bunch in your fridge or your cabinet or cupboard or I don't know, what do you, pantry, whatever you keep your Built Bars in is irrelevant. The point is they are phenomenal. They taste like candy bars. They hit like protein bars, 18 grams of protein, five grams of carbs, five grams of sugar. What's not to love? But if that isn't enough, Built Bars run by good people. I don't know if y'all saw, but They just paid the tuition for every walk-on at Brigham Young University who is not on scholarship. They are helping young people who work hard every day with the football team, but for one reason or another, don't have a funded scholarship, get a college education, and that's a great company. Great taste, great protein, low carbs, great people. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off your order. Buy them now. So let's talk about the other side of the ball. So Clark Lee decided to go down to Vanderbilt, take the head coaching job there. Y'all bring in Cincinnati's defensive coordinator, Mark Freeman. It looks like you're losing four of your top six tacklers, but you have six starters coming back. Who who is probably the, I mean, obviously besides JOK, who do you think is the biggest loss on defense? And who do you, how are y'all going to fill that void? And and JOK's void too. Talk about both voids. Yeah. So JOK, I mean, he's definitely a void. He's an absolute freak athlete. Um, And then I think they're going to miss their two defensive ends. And and a lot of that comes with both leadership and skill. So uh, Dalen Hayes and Adi Okandeje. So we're both both drafted in the NFL this this offseason. So I think they're going to miss the combination of those three guys from a leadership, from a personality perspective. Um, But I think what Marcus Freeman brings is just an excitement to that group. So he brings a pretty simplified scheme where he wants to just let his playmakers make plays. And so, you know, it's always always hunky dory and during the spring and the off season, but you know, from everything that you've read about this guy, from all the interviews I've talked about, he is just an unbelievable recruiter, a great guy and someone who's so passionate about football and connects with his players. Um, and so they seem really fired up to play for him in the way that, you know, people were fired up to play for Clark Lee. Um, and it seems like he's, he's going to be a guy who is going to make sure that, whoever is playing, you know, the number ones, number twos are, are going to be there to essentially, you know, pick up the slack. One guy goes down. And I think having a a scheme that's not too complicated and be in a place where Notre Dame now has the athletes where you can just let some of those guys play is, is going to be hugely helpful. So, 
you know, I think that the biggest thing coming back is we've got a probably a almost surefire top 10 pick at safety. You know, Kyle Hamilton, who's a, I think he's like all like six, four, two twenty five, um, which is just, just freakishly athletic genes too. Uh, four picks as a freshman was a little bit banged up last year, but still led the team in tackles and was an honorable mention all American. So he's a, he's on every all American list that you'll see a pair of defensive ends who are going to be pretty interesting. So they actually bumped over Myron Tagabaloa Amosa to play what's called the big end. And he's going to be, it'll be interesting to see his transition. And then two guys to really keep an eye out for are Jordan Vitello and Isaiah Foskey, who are two just super twitchy, mean, lean, big defensive ends who were pretty much dominant special teams guy. Foskey, Foskey got a lot more playing time last year. He ended up with four sacks, but you know, both of those guys are pretty exciting. And then I think the linebackers are actually going to be pretty good. So obviously you're going to lose the freak of JOK and, and he's going to be missed. And I think Florida state is sighing easy because how many times did that clip pop up through all this stuff? Where he was just rocking, uh, which, which was that Corbin, which running back would he crush last year? I don't remember. It was uh, try to block that out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I remember, but I don't remember. <laughs> uh, that was a tough no. one, dude. That guy, that guy's a freak, but I think too, as much as he, is an absolute animal. You're losing that quarterback position on defense, right? He he clearly understood the defense. He knew the calls. He knew the checks. He knew how to read an offense well. And you would see that in his gameplay. And you would, it just lets you, you know, we always talked about on Florida State how our, our defense looked slow. And it's not that the players are slow. It's that you can move faster when you're anticipating what's going to happen and you know where everyone's supposed to be. Yeah. And I think you'll you'll definitely, in my opinion, probably lose a half step across the board without someone like JOK out there making the defensive calls. Yeah. The good thing is though, he, so he played what's called Rover. And so he, mm-hmm. they were able to move him all around the field. And so he was yeah. such a, such an asset when it came to that, but they're, they're still bringing back. Um, they're two starting Mike linebackers who okay. both played pretty well. So Drew White and Bo Bauer are going to play. Drew is for sure going to be just playing at Mike. And then Bo Bauer is going to be playing a couple different things. And then a couple of the, the new newcomers have played significant snaps. So, you know, they're bringing back a combination of the two starting Wills and Shane Simon and Maris Leofau. I'm super high on Maris Leofau, who's a, you know, I think when he was recruited, he was like a, like maybe 200 pounds. Um, and so he's really bulked up. He's from a really dominant program in Hawaii um, that's produced Manti Teo and a bunch of those guys. He, I'm really high on him this year. He made some pretty big plays last year, but a lot of times was just running around with his hair on fire. He's got the long Hawaiian hair, but didn't necessarily always know the right fits, but did everything at all. 110% at all times. So, and he's a guy who I'm actually pretty high on. And then, a, and a guy who probably doesn't won't jump off the, uh, jump off any of the athletic traits, uh, meters is, is, is a guy, Jack Kaiser, who's a local guy who was Mr. Football in Indiana, who, you know, came last year off the literally off scout team. And they threw him in a starting role against South Florida. He won, got player of the game. And later in the season, he had a pick. So he's just someone who's clearly a very, very good football player. And now going into his junior season where he's, got a little size, a little more speed. I think he's going to be someone who's, you know, sneaky, sneaky, one of the kind of rising outside linebackers in college football, honestly. Gosh, dude, I'm jealous. And, and not, and not, not, not like, not, not an NFL guy. I don't think, you know, he'll, he'll be, maybe he'll end up on a special teams, but he's a guy who you're going to look back and be like, that was a really good college linebacker. Well, folks, there you have it. That's about as good of a breakdown as you could possibly get on who Notre Dame is going to be putting on the field this year. And I'm so grateful that Billy G let me pick his brain and gave us all that valuable insight. If you like today's episode, you're not going to want to miss tomorrow's. Today was like, well, it was roster building. It's who's going to be there, 
who's playing what positions, what should we expect that individual to be capable of. Tomorrow, we put it all together. We're going to talk about what should we expect when Florida State has the ball, what should we expect when Notre Dame has the ball, and what's that going to translate to in a final result. I'm excited. I know you're excited. Drake's excited. Dave's excited. Holly's excited. Stace is excited. Everyone's pumped. So we will see y'all bright and early tomorrow. I'm Max, and this was Locked On Seminoles. Take care, everybody. Go Bulls. Sorry, Drake. Had to do it.